0: Hello, people of the way. Uh, If you have your Bible, open up to Numbers chapter 1. Today's going to be like an introduction into Numbers, and we're going to look at some passages in the first chapter. But, you know, it's so beautiful because we just got done with the book of Leviticus and how beautiful it is to study the law, understanding that the law is a shadow of the things to come, a shadow of Jesus Christ, and that the law is nailed to the cross, just like is revealed in Colossians. And we understand, too, that the book of Numbers covers about 40 years. Uh, We see Joshua and entry into the promised land in chapter 3 of the book of Joshua. Uh, But we got a lot of ground to cover in Numbers, uh, in uh, Deuteronomy, a lot of ground to cover. But both Deuteronomy, uh, Numbers is kind of sandwiched in between uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And these are books that were written in the span of about a year. So Leviticus, uh, short of a year, Deuteronomy, short of a year. And so everything happens relatively quickly in terms of, like for example, you have centuries, you know, hundreds of years in Egyptian captivity. But when the Lord used Moses to go back to Israel and rescue Israel, everything moved really, really fast. I meant like one year they're in captivity, a year later, boom, they're no longer in captivity. And the Lord is teaching them about a different kind of captivity. They're free, they're no longer in bondage of Egypt, but he starts to teach them about a different kind of bondage, a different kind of slavery. And that unto sin, just like Paul teaches. Old Testament and New Testament, exactly the same concept, exactly the same. And in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 12, there's or verse 2, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 2, look at verse 2 really quick. It says, in Deuteronomy 1, 2, it is 11 days journey from Horeb, that's Mount Sinai, the region of Mount Sinai, from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. And so this region of Kadesh Barnea, this is the region that's south of the waters that are near Jerusalem. So as you, if you come up north into Jerusalem, you come into certain bodies of water to include the River Jordan. And that region just south of that is Kadesh Barnea. And that journey from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea, uh, not Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, it's only 11 days. Yeah, arguably you could say uh, two weeks. You know, because you have uh, just the the southern parts, the outskirts of you know the region of Jerusalem, but to actually get into you know cross the river Jordan, you could say two weeks, but it's written here eleven days, eleven days. And what happens with Israel in the Book of Numbers? Eleven days turns into forty years, four zero years. Whoa, what in the world happened? What happened? How is it that 11 days turns into 40 years? Now, we are new covenant believers because, you know, we're Christians. If you're not a Christian, you know God loves you. Become a Christian. Be born again. Repent and be born again. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, you're not a believer, you're listening, hit pause. Scroll to our message that says how to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior and then listen say the sinner's prayer and then all of a sudden you know you're in the family of the lord and by faith by belief in him people call oh that's easy believism i don't see that as easy at all you know i want to repent of my sins and believe in jesus christ you call it easy there's the power of god into salvation the gospel is the power of god into salvation it's not easy believism And then at the same time, it's like, okay, now, so if if you're a believer you know, you say this in your prayer, you pray, and then you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, and then you come back and you listen to our study. And it's going to scare you. (laughs) I don't mean to scare you, but it's going to scare you. It terrifies me. And I pray it terrifies you because, you know, all of a sudden we start to understand deeper and deeper the nature and character of our Lord. So how in the world did this 11-day journey become 40 years Let's look really quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 here says, Moreover, brethren, this is Paul writing to a, a carnal church, a church that is very carnal, and he is, through doctrine, through sound doctrine, teaching them and bringing them to a state of maturity in Christ. And it comes through Repentance yielding to the Lord, yielding to the Holy Spirit, and yielding to the Word of God. He says in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware, unaware he is to be, to have lack of information or lack of intelligence. Lack of information is way better than lack of intelligence. Because with lack of information, you can get information and make adjustments, change. With lack of intelligence, oof, that's a different ball game. That's not good. Hey, Paul says, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the, th- the through the sea. Now, he's referring to what we studied in Exodus and Leviticus. All our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ, you see? Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. That's what we're going to study in Numbers. But in verse 5, with most of them, God was not well pleased. Whoa. So wait a second here. You read verse 1, 2, 3, 4. You see, all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed, all were baptized, all ate, all drank with the spiritual rock. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. What happened? For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. That's when this 11-day journey becomes 40 years. And that's what we're going to study in the book of Numbers. It's sad. It's sad. There's some beautiful passages in the book of Numbers, but it's sad. It breaks my heart. And I pray that it breaks your heart too. Not that I want your heart to be broken, but that we can learn. So that we can learn and understand He says, but with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples. In the Greek, translates as a model for warning. That's what Paul says of what we're going to study in Numbers. What we've studied so far in a a, a little bit of Exodus, a little bit in Numbers, and a whole lot, or a little bit in Leviticus, and a whole lot in Numbers. He says, now these things became our examples or our model for warning to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Whoa, look at all the things that the Lord has done for Israel thus far in our study through the Old Testament and they're lusting even after the golden calf incident. Now, we are new covenant believers, you and me today. We are new covenant believers, but this is how the law is good. If it is used lawfully. That's what Paul writes to Timothy, young Pastor Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. How in verse 9 of 1 Timothy chapter 1, the law is not made for a righteous person, but in the prior verse, that, that the law is good if it is used lawfully. Because we studied it also in Romans 7, because verse 13 of Romans 7 says, Sin can be exceedingly sinful. And you know what happens? You and me, all who believe, in the fold of Christ, we can learn the fear of God. The fear of God. There's a lot of pastors, little, a lot of Bible teachers. They don't like to teach Revelation. They don't like to teach passages about wrath. They skip over Peter's writings about God's wrath and judgment. They don't like reading certain passages of the Old Testament because it's too vengeful. Too much judgment. I don't want to be judgmental, but, you know, so we're just going to skip Revelation. Uh, We're going to skip some of Peter's writings. Okay, and the candy coat. Don't do that. If you're a teacher, if you're a pastor, don't do that. You teach the full counsel of the Word of God, Old Testament and New Testament. And yes, we're not under the law. If you're a Christian, you're not under the law. You are under Christ. You abide in Christ and Christ in you. You are under the fulfillment of the law. He himself is abiding in you, the chief cornerstone in your heart. And the Holy Spirit is building brick by brick by brick by brick in your temple. That's your body. But the law is still good. It's not for you because it's not made for a righteous person. But the law is still good because we can learn the fear of the Lord. And that's what we're going to study in the book of Numbers. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, too, we're going to learn the fear of the Lord. But Numbers is one book that really freaks me out, really terrifies me. And praise be to the Lord. He says in verse 7, And do not become idolaters as were some of them. Whoa, idolatry? So, so far, look what we have. We have lust. We have idolaters. And, you know, they were scattered in the wilderness. He says, As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Do you remember our passage that we study in The Golden Calf? Look at all kinds of like sexual sin, a lot of nudity. You know, they were, had certain clothes on and then started ripping their clothes off. A lot of sexual sin, a lot of sexual orgies. And then the golden calf. It says, do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. These are all things that we're going to study in Numbers. Sexual immorality in the camp with God's people. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. We're going to study this in our numbers study. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Again, we're going to study these passages in our, in the, in our study through the book of Numbers. Very terrifying book. Very sad book. But understand, just like we studied a couple weeks ago in Leviticus about the blessings and the curses of the Lord, you know what happens? He is reactionary. You say, what do you mean curses? Well, you know, you could say like getting spanked is a curse, you know, a little child. Because you're disobedient to your parents, and then boom, you get spanked. You know, your parents just spank you for nothing. You did something, and then you get spanked. So your parents are reacting to your behavior or reacting to your action. It's reactionary. The same with our Lord, our Father in heaven. Much of His blessings are reactionary. The good side. You know, you you obey Him and then boom, blessings of the Lord. In whatever way, shape, or form that He wants you to have them. A lot of times people think they equate blessings of the Lord as money, but no. I mean, it can be, but Very rarely I've seen that happen. Blessings of the Lord can be all kinds of different things. But then what about when you're disobedient to the Lord? Remember, he disciplines those whom he loves. He chastises those whom he loves in in, uh, Hebrews 12. And so in verse 11, now all these things happen to them as examples. Tupos in the Greek, tupos. It's a model for warning And they were written for our admonition, which is an instruction of warning. That's what we're going to study in Numbers, the Old Testament, the law. Upon whom the end of the ages have come, verse 12, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. That's for you, that's for me. We studied that just on Sunday in Romans. How the law is good if one uses it lawfully. And so you, me, we're not under the law. You're abiding in Christ and Christ in you. You are not under the law, but you can still use the law. You can still use the law. It is good for you. It is good for me if it, if it is used lawfully. How does that happen? When it can freak you out. When the book of Numbers can freak you out. When certain passages in Leviticus can freak you out. In Exodus, Deuteronomy. Even in, you know, the Samuels, the Chronicles. Let the Old Testament freak you out. Why? Because we learn the fear of the Lord. It's like brakes. Brakes. Like what, A car without brakes is very dangerous. A car without brakes, you can kill yourself, your occupants, and people, are you know, pedestrians, bicycle riders, somebody in another car, a family in another car. You can kill them, a car without brakes. But with brakes... Boom, you know, you, hit the, you get the stop sign, boom, hit the brakes. Green light, you know, hit the gas. Same way, gas pedals like the love of the Lord, brake pedals like the fear of the Lord. A car without a gas pedal doesn't move. A car without brakes doesn't stop. Same thing with us. The love of the Lord and the fear of the Lord, they work together. Let's go back to numbers now. Numbers. And so now you have this wilderness, this 11-day journey, which becomes 40 years. Now, this is, you know, uh, beknownst to us. But, you know, if we were just to start in verse 1, it would be unbeknownst to us. Because we just start studying and reading how beautiful this is. We start reading chapter 1, like, wow, this is so beautiful. Because we have this backdrop. Of what we looked at, you know, we have this, what we studied in in, uh, Numbers uh, numbers, uh, uh, 32, turn to Numbers 32 really quick. Numbers 32, verse 13, So the Lord's anger was aroused against Israel, and He made them wander in the wilderness forty years, until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. Whoa, that's heavy. That's why I tell you, you know, we read Numbers, it terrifies me. It makes me sad for the people. It makes me sad for the Lord because He's long-suffering. And I completely understand it, but understand that He is responsive. He is reactionary to the people's actions the same way He is responsive and reactionary to my actions and your actions. My behavior and your behavior. And He disciplines those whom He loves. He loves. Oh, but God is love. God is love. Yes, He is love. I don't dispute that. He is love. But He's also just. Never forget that. He's also just. And so you have this wilderness experience. But what happens in the wilderness? I mean, you have, look at John the Baptist. Wilderness was beautiful for him. Moses, wilderness was beautiful for him. I mean, when he was called the burning bush. Jesus' wilderness was beautiful. Here in numbers, the wilderness uh, not so beautiful because what happens when 11 years turns into 40? days turns into 40 years? And that's what's so beautiful about maturing in Christ. how the Lord can take a whole entire lifetime to stretch and grow you. but it's much easier rather than be stretched. Rather than, you know, be spanked, rather than be disciplined, rather than be uh, um, chastised, it's much better, and I tell you from experience, to yield to the Lord, to yield to the Holy Spirit. It's much better, much easier. And I tell you, as a brother in Christ, to my other brothers in Christ, to my other sisters in Christ, because we are the family of God. Now, let's kick off in verse 1 of Numbers chapter 1. It says, Now, the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tabernacle of meeting. This is a very special place of intimacy that Moses has with the Lord in the tabernacle of meeting. It says, On the first day of the second month in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt. So, uh, the book of Leviticus is very fast. You know, within the span of a year, a lot happens. Like, if you take this moment and passage in time in verse 1 and you go a year prior they're like straight up in bondage in Israel or in Egypt, straight up bondage. And, and the Lord like everything is very, very fast from when the Lord calls Moses. The Lord used Moses to rescue his people and to deliver his people as a type of Christ. And everything is very fast moving. You think of all the decades and centuries in bondage and then boom, you know, redemption has come. Redemption comes come, not salvation, but, you know, the way. And then, you know, they go through the, uh, they walk through the uh, dry ground. And they get to the other side and then boom, uh, Egypt, the power of Egypt, the might of Egypt is dead. They are no longer in bondage. And then the Lord starts to teach them more about a different kind of bondage. And it's sin. It's sin. Sin. And so, look what happens here. In verse 1, it says, saying, verse 2, take a census. The census is a sum or a head count, the number of people. He says, take a census of all the congregation of the children of Israel, by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names, every male individually, from 20 years old and above, all who are able to go to war in Israel. Very interesting here. So, you know what happens here? This able to go to war, it translates as to be in wait for warfare and battle. That's how it translates. To be in wait for warfare and battle. And I think it's very beautiful how there's the expectation in the Old Testament and New Testament. There's the expectation to fight. From the Lord. There is the expectation for you and me to fight the good fight in the old testament it's very literal very physical but in the new testament as new covenant believers spiritual the weapons of our, of our warfare are not carnal we wrestle against the principalities the spirit realm praying for another person and the power of the holy spirit very spiritual not carnal but there's this expectation of fighting. He says in verse 3: all who are able to go to war in Israel, you and Aaron shall number them by their armies. And with you there shall be a man from every tribe, each one the head of his father's house. Now, this is the first census. This is the first census. There's a second census that happens later. That happens in chapter 26, the the, the second census. Uh, for it's for the next generation the next generation because what happens in numbers you know as is written in numbers 32 verse 13 the lord's anger was aroused against israel and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the lord was gone was gone you see and not everybody i mean all the generation except there's uh uh Joshua, Joshua, and oh, in Numbers 26, verse 64, but among these, there was not a man of those who were numbered by Moses and Aaron, the priest, when they were numbered, the, when they numbered the children of Israel in the wilderness of Sinai. For the Lord had said of them, they shall surely die in the wilderness. So there was not left a man of them except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Nun. Joshua. Remember Joshua? The assistant of Moses, who wasn't defiled with the golden calf. Everybody was defiled by the golden calf and the behavior that happened in the base camp. We studied that in Exodus. Save two. Moses and Joshua. The next generation of righteousness. And Joshua leading the people to the promised land. And how the Lord says to Joshua, you know, I'll speak to you like I spoke to Moses. You see? And so what happens here? We go back to Numbers chapter 1. And we read this census, this numbering of all these men who are able to go to war in Israel. And we read this, and it's like, whoa, you know, it's like, you know, this generation, this particular generation of the first census, they fell. They fell. We read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and what do we see? Because of idolatry, because of sexual immorality. You know, we see these things, and uh, lust, we're going to see these things in the book of Numbers. It's going to break your heart, it's going to tear at your heart, and I pray it does. Because we can share in the long-suffering of the Lord. As we reflect on what's happening in Numbers, as we remember and study what happens in the book of Numbers, but as we know and understand what's happening in the lives of people around us who are also in idolatry, who are also in sexual sin, who are also in lust. And we too can be long-suffering with the Lord. I have to say something to parents. If you're a parent, train your children. Train your children. If you're raising up little ones, raise them up in the Lord and train your kids for straight-up combat, hand-to-hand combat, Warfare like it's nobody's business. Train them like crazy. Spiritually speaking, pour into them. You know, and it's a very, very special ministry that parents can have with their kids. Very, very special ministry. You know, and in the when the Lord is preeminent in your life, not prominent in your life, not one God among many, but preeminent in your life. You know, it's so beautiful because, you know, you make choices to honor him. You make choices that bring him glory and honor. And it's for you. It's for your home. But then at the same time, it's for the next generation of righteousness. Your children, your kids. Because you're going to die. You're going to die one day and your kids are going to go somewhere where you can never go. You know where that is? The future. You're going to be dead in this world. And they're going to carry on. And what are they going to carry on? You talk to old people, you know, middle-aged people. Oh, yeah, I want to pass. This is going to be my legacy. For the Christian, we have no legacy. Our legacy is Jesus Christ. We have no legacy of our own. Our legacy is Jesus Christ. Passing on to the next generation. Teaching your kids, telling your grandbabies. Telling your great-grandbabies tell them about Jesus Christ. Because there's temporality to this life, it's just a vapor. It's just a vapor, that's all it is. And so you know what's so beautiful is like you have, you know, sometimes you have terrible examples of parents. Terrible examples. Because what happens, you know, you see this generation that we're going to study in the census and they failed. They fell. You know, they didn't get to go to the promised land as is written in Numbers 32. The Lord was angry. His anger was aroused against them. And they all had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. So how does this 11 days become 40 years? And that's the danger of playing games with sin. Playing games with trespasses. Now, you're going to sin. You're going to trespass. Remember the sidestep? Sidestep once you t- you sidestep to the left, you sidestep to the right, get right back in the middle of the narrow path, you sidestep twice, you left to the side step, you t- sidestep twice to the right, get yourself back in the middle of the narrow path, and that's what happens in the conviction of the Holy Spirit, a steady diet in the Holy word and yielding to the Holy Spirit, yielding to the Lord, and his word and the word became flesh. We learn it's like, oh, I don't understand, I don't understand well. You know, without understanding, you can get understanding. But if you lack intelligence, that's not good. That's not good. And how beautiful it is when you see parents making sacrifices for their children. Parents sacrificing for their children. You have beautiful examples of this. You have terrible examples. Parents who... Don't think about the next generation. They think about self. They think about me, 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 me. The natural world testifies of these things. And you know what? Sometimes families in the church can testify of these things too. And it's terrible. Parents who are selfish. I want this. I want this. I want this. And when Jesus Christ is not preeminent, enters idolatry. Enters, you know, works of the flesh. Enters idolatry, adultery, enters sexual immorality, lust. Remember what Paul writes to a very carnal church, Corinth. A very carnal church, babies in Christ. He says, I wish I could write to you like you were adults, but you know what? I have to write like you're babies. Look at the deep things that Paul is teaching the church in Rome, a young church in Rome. And how he teaches the church in Corinth. Corinth. You know, like he's giving like deep, deep, deep spiritual things to the church in Rome. But then he writes a letter to the church in Corinth and, you know, they're still deep, but not as deep as the church in Rome. It has nothing to do with the the their age in terms of their walk with the, the duration of time in Christ. But it has everything to do with their duration of growth in Christ. That's why you can have a 50 year old. 60-year-old, 70-year-old, who say, oh, I've been a Christian my whole life, but they can be babies, spiritually. And then you can have a 15-year-old, you know, a 15-year-old that is more mature than an 80-year-old in Christ, because they know, they know the Word of God, they're yielding to the Word of God, and they're yielding to His Holy Spirit. So, duration of time has nothing to do with growth in Christ. Hopefully, like in the course of time, there is growth in Christ. But sometimes what we see in the church today, you see anemia. You see lack of growth in the church today. But Paul wrote one way to the church in Rome, and he wrote another way to the church in Corinth. And these terrible examples of parenthood. And praise be to the Lord, because, you know, you have an example of what not to do. Doctrinally, you have examples of what to do. And, you know, in the Word of God. And it's all for the sake of the next generation of righteousness. If you're a parent, as you pour in, as you pour into your kids, you teach them how to fight, teach them how to be warriors, you equip them, you train them up in the way they should go. You don't spare the rod. You know, not to provoke a child to anger. But you still don't spare the rod. What happened to this generation? Why is it that the the anger of the Lord was stirred and aroused against them? What was it that they did? We just touched on it briefly in 1 Corinthians 10. And we're going to study it hardcore in numbers. We're going to see what happens. And the Lord responds. His response is reactionary to the behavior, to the choices of Israel. He says this in verse 5, these are the names of the men who shall stand with you. Now, I have to say something. We're going to read these passages of the the census, and you'll be like, wow, this is such a mighty, mighty army. I mean, like hundreds of thousands. Wow, what a mighty army. 20-year-old men and above, wow. You got the, you know, the young, strong, youthful men. You got the, you know, middle-aged, kind of strong, but kind of, you know, wearing out a little bit. Then you got the old codgers where, you know, they still got a little juice in the tank. Wow, what mighty, mighty men. But we have this backdrop of 1 Corinthians 10. We have this backdrop of Numbers 32, verse 13. We have this backdrop of knowing an 11-day journey turned into a 40-year journey. And this generation, which is mighty in number, they fell. They fell. Now, I have to say something to you as an urging, a strong encouragement to you. Before you make a choice to stand shield to shield with anyone, before that happens, before you make that choice, make sure that that person is standing with the Lord. Doctrinally, you see the fruit of the Spirit, or do you see the fruit of the flesh? Because what happens, oh yeah, we're Christians, let's link shields together. Okay, let's link shields together. There you are, linked shields, and then what happens? Somebody says, okay, let's go grave soaking. No way. I'm not going to link shields with that. No way, grave soaking? That's not even biblical. You can't even do that. You're not supposed to do that. It's necromancy, it's forbidden. Very famous pastors do that. Very famous famous youth leaders, they do that with the youth of megachurches. Oh, I'm going to link shields with this guy. I'm going to link shields with this lady. Okay, yeah, let's link shields. And there you are, ready for battle. And then all of a sudden, oh, let's pray to Mary. What? Before you link shields with anybody, make sure that the person you're standing next to, to your left and to your right, make sure they're standing with the Lord. Now, I have to say something to my sisters in Christ. In verse 5, it says, These are the names of the men who shall stand with you. The men. These are the numbers of the men. You know, one of my biggest pet peeves in the church today, I have several, but one of my biggest ones is how women are like second-class citizens in the church today. I don't like it. I hate it. Because, you know, when I observe the church today, And I observe not just the nominal Christian. I'm talking about the warrior. i meant the straight-up fighter. The one who wants to get down and dirty and fight the good fight. I see a lot of women. Where are the men? Sometimes men, I don't care how big you are, how strong you are. I don't care how big your muscles are. But sometimes I look at men and I see little boys. That they have to cut the umbilical cord. You know, instead of being in submission to Jesus Christ, you have these little boys that are in submission to mommy and daddy. Idolatry. I don't say this if you're a man. I don't say this to you to hurt your feelings. I do not say this to hurt your feelings. But I say this to encourage you. To, you know, look down. If you see an umbilical cord, cut it. You know. Cut that baby, get rid of it and mature in Christ. Make sacrifices for your children. Make sacrifices for your family because we're going to see this generation in the book of numbers, they don't do it and they pay a heavy price and their kids also have to pay a heavy price. You say, wait a second, their, their kids went to the promised land. Yeah, but their kids also had to wander for 40 years. you see parents can easily 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 pave the way for their children pave the way for their offspring and the lord loves godly offspring he loves godly offspring he you know you have children raise them up in the lord he loves it's pleasing to the lord but no, what's very popular in the church today, women are second-class citizens. Oh, wives, submit to your husband. You know, it's biblical. Wives, submit to your husbands. It's very biblical. But the little disclaimer there is when your husband is submitting to Jesus Christ. So what's taught in the pulpit is this. Wives, submit to your husband. Women, submit to the pastors, submit to the elders. You know, and so you have these little slave wives in the church, slave women in the church. And you get to the home, slave wives. And sometimes they're just concubines, sexual slaves. So you have these slaves. Whether it be, you know, sexually, whether it be, you know, you know, cooking, cleaning, all these things. Slaves submit to your husband. I was talking to a pastor, so-called pastor. I was talking to a pastor once in his home. And his, his wife, like she's like a robot in the house. I was like, what in the world? And he's like, you know, oh yeah, my like a big smile on his face. Yeah, my wife submits to me. That's stupid. That's not a badge of honor. You're it's it's shameful to me. Your wife is like a robot. She's like your maid. You know, she's like you know th- does this does it talks to you. You know? you know, yes, husband, yes, husband, yes, husband. See, this wife like a maid, like a slave. And then, like you know. He was saying and the wife, peeks her head out, says, you know, would you like me to bring you something to drink? He looks at her. Says, I'm talking. You interrupted me. We're going to talk about this later. And the wife just kind of bows her head and walks away. Disgusting. Disgusting, man. I don't call him a pastor at all. I don't call this guy a pastor at all. Disgusting. But you see, that's very common in the church. Wives who are slaves. And so as my encouragement for my sisters in Christ, you know what's written here in verse 5? It says, these are the names of the men who shall stand with you. These are the ones who fall. Turn really quick to chapter 26. Chapter 26. <clears throat> verse uh, 33. It says, now Zelophehad, the son of Hepher. Had no sons. Had no sons, but daughters. And the names of the daughters of Zelophehet were Mela, Noah, Hogla, Noca, and Tirzah. You see how beautiful this is? No sons. He has daughters. And his daughters here are captured in the second census. The ones who make it to the promised land. The ones who go through the, the river Jordan. You see? It's an encouragement to my sisters in Christ. I hate it how you know women are like second class citizens in the church. I don't like it. And if you're a pastor and you know you you teach, you know, like you know the woman has to, you know, is second class. Cut it out. Remember, in Christ there's no male, female, slave free, Jew, Greek in Christ. In Christ. Robot women, you know, slave women. It's not good. It's not good. And I look at the warrior class inside the church, and I see a large population of women. Where are the men? That's what I want to know. You know, I've gotten to the point where, you know, I don't even ask anymore. I want to know, but I don't even ask anymore. I used to say, you know, where are the men? Where are the men? Now I just say, where are the warriors? I don't care. Male, female, I don't care. Where are the warriors? Where are the fishers? Where are the fishermen and the fisherwomen and the wise ones? Where are they? And so look what happens here. So these are the names of the men who shall stand with you. From Reuben, Elazur, the son of Shadur. From Simeon, Shalumiel, the son of Zeru, Zer, uh, uh, Zerushaddai. So Simeon here is God has heard. Shalumiel is peace of God. Zerushaddai is rock of the Almighty. I love how these names, they... In the Hebrew, they translate into this beautiful, uh, just this, it's beautiful, in, in homage unto the Lord. Now, if that's not you, if your name is like, you know, Hank, you know, or, you know, Fred, uh, you know, don't don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged at all. Because don't forget there was a beautiful brother, Apollos, who had a beautiful ministry, especially to the church in Corinth, Apollos. A lot of times there's division in the church in Corinth. I'm of Paul, I'm of apollos I'm of Cephas. Paul says, we're nothing, guys. We plant our water. It's, it's God who gives the increase. But Apollos, you know, the, the Greek god Apollos, Apollos was named after him. So, you know, the name, you know, the name above all names, that's the name that we honor, Jesus Christ. So, you know, I I make mention of Simeon. you know, God has heard, Shalomiel, peace of God, and Zerushadai, uh, which is the rock of the Almighty. And if you're Frank or Hank or, you know, fred you know and you're like man you know my name just is fred you know don't be, don't, don't be discouraged <laughs> you know honor the lord you know honor the name of jesus christ you know and let jesus christ be you know reflect the sun you know like the the saying goes be the moon reflect the sun that's what we can do as christians we're like little moons be the moon reflect the sun it has no light we have no light but the light it, you we just reflect jesus christ the light that we do have, the light that we do reflect, is that of the Lord. You see, Goshen. And so it says in verse seven, from Judah, Nashon, uh, uh, Nashon the son of Amminadab, from Issachar, Nathanel, the son of Zuar, from Zebulun, Eliab, the son of Hilon, from the sons of Joseph, from Ephraim, uh, Elishama, the son of Amil, uh, Am- Amihud, the, from Manasseh, Gamaliel the son of Pedessor. So Gamaliel, here you have Paul's teacher, named after this guy. From Benjamin, Abidan, the son of Gideonai. From Dan, Ahazar, the son of Aminashaddai, translates as people of the Almighty. I like that one a lot. Amishaddai, which is, translates as the people of the Almighty. Now, something I have to say, I know teachers who just say, okay, there's, here's the genealogy, so we're going to skip this, and we're going to go to the meat. Now, my perspective, I know one day I'm going to stand before the Lord. As a teacher, as a pastor, I know that I'm going to stand before the Lord. And it terrifies me. It scares me to death. And I want to say to the Lord, "Lord, I gave them your full counsel. I gave them every every jot, every tittle. I gave it all. And so sometimes that's why I don't skip these. So you you might hear and like, okay, you know, I get it. So I'm going to read and we're just going to go through this because I'm going to stand before the Lord one day. And I, I just want to say, like, Lord, you know, I gave them. Every, everything of your word, and sometimes, you know, I put my finger down, I put my finger down to hold my place, and then I kind of look up, you know, and I start teaching, and explain, but I'm very handsy, you know, I use my hands a lot, and so I I start, I have my finger down, I look up, I start teaching, and I start waving my hands, and I look down, and I'm like, oh man, where did I, where was my finger, I lost my place, so like, to cover my ground, I sometimes go two verses above that You know, so like if you like sometimes if you hear me, if you're like, man, he just said that. And then I I say something and then I read it again. He just said that. And then I say something. again. He just said that again. That's why. It's because, you know, I kind of like look up and I start. I'm very handsy, you know. And then like I look down. I lost my place. So just to cover ground, just to be on the safe side. I go a couple verses above just in case. In case I'm lost in the sauce for a little bit. I'm getting old. It's a senior problem. And so here in verse... Uh, uh, 13 says from Asher, Pegiel, the son of Okran. From Gad, uh, uh, Aliesaph, the son of Deuel. Deuel here is known of God. You see how beautiful these names are? So beautiful. But for you and for me, you know the name of Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus Christ. The name above all names. The name which is honey to our lips. Honey to our lips. Oh, His word which is a lamp unto our feet. That's the name we proclaim, and that's the, the most beautiful name there is, above all names. From Naphtali, Ahira, the son of, uh, uh, of Inan, these were chosen or called or chosen from the congregation, leaders of their fathers, tribes, heads of the divisions of Israel. So, you know, this uh, chosen here, it's very important to understand chosen here. It's like, you know, because you have people say like, oh yeah, we're chosen, we're of the elect. We're of the elect. You know, in in Jeremiah's day, the people of God said the same thing. Jeremiah, you're crazy. We're of the elect. God is for us. We're chosen. We're the chosen people. Look what happened. They went into Babylonian captivity. Oh, we're the chosen people. We're the chosen people. Look what happened. We read in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 10. What happens? Idolatry. Sexual immorality. Numbers 32, we read in verse 13, the Lord's anger was aroused against them until this generation had done, uh, uh, until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. So if you're going to rest your laurels on, you know, we are chosen. I have this to say, make your call and election sure. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And so, you know, looks look what happens here in verse 17. Then Moses and Aaron took these men who had been mentioned by name, and they assembled all the congregation together on the first day of the second month, and they recited their ancestry by families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of, of names, from twenty years old and above, each one individually. As the Lord commanded Moses, so he numbered them in the wilderness of Sinai. So they haven't left yet. They haven't left yet. They're just starting. Where they're starting the census, and so in verse twenty, now the children of Reuben, Israel's oldest son, their genealogies by their families, by their fathers. Remember Israel? That's Jacob. Remember Jacob had his name change. Jacob wrestled with the Lord, and then the Lord messed him up. He had his uh, uh, like his he had a limp. He was limping after the fight. And so the Lord says, okay, you're no longer uh, Jacob, you are Israel governed by God. Governed by God. And you read passages prior to that and and Jacob uh, would always say, oh, the God of my fathers, the God of my fathers, the God of my fathers. And then after that moment, you see a different change happen where he says, my God, my God. The exact same, same thing happens with you, with me. And for your kids, if you're raising children, oh yeah, the God of my parents, the God of my father, the God of my mom, the God of my dad, you know, this guy's God, this guy's, yeah, I'll go to church. They're like little little Jacobs. But at some point in time, and pray, intercede, and teach, and sacrifice, one day they'll be like Jacobs, where they turn into Israel, governed by God. In Jesus Christ, I'm speaking supernaturally now. I'm not speaking like, you know, they're going to name change to Jacob and then name change to Israel. No, speaking spiritually now. That's what happens. Belief in Jesus Christ. And so let's look what happens here in verse 20. Now the children of Reuben, Israel's oldest son, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names, every male individually from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Reuben were 46,500 From the children of Simeon, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, of those who were numbered according to the number of names, every male individually from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Simeon were 59,300. So we're going to start to see these numbers, and they increase exponentially. It's a lot of people. A lot of people. Sometimes you see like, you know, the the million man march. You see pictures of the million men marching at, at D.C. You say, wow, these are just throngs of people. They're everywhere. Well, sometimes you look at these numbers and it's like, whoa, this is like the camp of Israel. It's a lot of people to lead. Think of Moses. It's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And praise be to the Lord for the ministry of Jethro. Remember Jethro? When Jethro came to Moses, Moses, you're going to die. You're going to get tired. You can't do this. He says, appoint elders, take elders, appoint them. You know, and these godly men, take these godly men and appoint them and anoint them. And then all of a sudden, they're going to take care of the little matters. They're going to take care of these little things. And they come to you with the big stuff. Get a little model of government. Government in the camp of Israel. From beautiful Jethro. A priest of Midian. But you know what happened? He feared the Lord. He feared the Lord. Why? Because the Lord made himself known. He feared the Lord. The Lord made himself known. And you know Jethro. He feared the Lord. And says okay. You know I had these gods in Midian. But there is no God like the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Because you know. Look what he did to Egypt. The might of Egypt. And you know what's so beautiful about Jethro. How he taught his daughters. Because even when Moses didn't fear the Lord, when he broke the Lord, Jethro's daughter, Zipporah, she feared the Lord. And says, no way, we're not going to, you know, we're going we're gonna to break the law of God. Here, let me take those baby boys. Get, picks up a sharp rock. Circumcision right there on the spot. And throws the foreskins at Moses' feet. The Lord wanted to kill Moses. The intercession of his wife. See, <laughs> I like tough. I mean, guy or girl, you know, male, female, I don't care. I just, I like tough. It's nice. You know, that's my camp. I like the toughies. Not the fake toughies. Not the guys who, you know, big muscles or whatever. They think they're whatever. But then at the same time, they got an umbilical cord tied to mommy and daddy. You know, I don't, I don't mean I love you. If that's you, I love you. But I just say, cut the umbilical cord. You know, but I like the toughies. The Zipporah's, like the Moses, and the influence that Zipporah had on her husband. Remember, Zipporah was a shepherd, too. You know, I wonder what type of influence she had on her husband. As for him as a shepherd. But then look at the ministry of Jethro to his daughters. And teaching them to have these sensitivities unto the Lord. A priest of Midian, but when the Lord revealed himself, he's like, whoa, No way. The Lord is the Lord. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is God. And then he came and ministered to to Moses. You see? So let's... um, in verse twenty two from the children of Simeon, the genealogies by their families by their father's house of those who were numbered according to the number of names, every male individually from twenty years old and above all who were able to go to war, those were numbered of the tribe of Simeon, those who were numbered of the tribe of Simeon were 59,000. From the children of Gad, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Gad were 45,650. From the children of Judah, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Judah were 74,600. Wow. You know, it's like they had a lot of kids. 74. It says here in verse 28, from the children of Issachar, their genealogies by their families. By their father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Issachar were 54,400. 54, from the children of Zebulun, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names. From 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Zebulun were 57,400. From the sons of Joseph, the children of Ephraim, or Ephraim, their, their their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Ephraim were 40,500. So a little smaller camp from the children of Manasseh, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above. All were able to go to war. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Manasseh were 32,200. So even smaller from the children of Benjamin, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of, of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Benjamin were 35,400 from the children of Dan, their genealogies by their families, by their father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Dan were 62,700. From the children of Asher, their genealogies by their families by their father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Asher were 41,500. From the children of Naphtali, their genealogies by their families by their father's house, according to the number of names from 20 years old and above, all who were able to go to war. Those who were numbered of the tribe of Naphtali were 53,400. So you read these, and it's like, whoa, this is a lot of people. This is a lot of people. Like, say we're in a time machine. We go back in time, and we see just the throngs of people. Like, whoa, this is, and you see from 20 years old, you know, strapping men. You know, it's like, wow, this is quite the army. And you get some forty years old. It's like okay, he's kind of run down. And you get the sixty years old. Okay, you know he's kind of he got a little juice in the tank. You see, it's like whoa, this is a lot of people. Wow, surely this is a mighty army. Surely this is a, a formidable, formidable might of Israel. But knowing we're spoiled now, we have the full counsel of the word of God. You know, we're able to fast forward into future chapters. We're able to fast forward into First Corinthians under the New Covenant and have this deeper understanding of what's happening here. This might. They, 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 they fell. And it cost not only them, it cost the next generation. The next generation uh, passed uh, the River Jordan. But don't forget that they still had to wander for 40 years. What happened? Idolatry. Sexual sin. Lust. In the camp. Do you remember Exodus 33 when the Lord says, I'm not going to go with you guys. You guys go to the promised land. And then Moses interceded. And what's so beautiful about that, I mean, it's terrible. The numbers breaks my heart. But what's so beautiful is that before Numbers... Is Leviticus, you see, and you know, what do you mean by saying that? Well, look what's in Leviticus sacrifice. So, yes, you're gonna see fallenness in numbers, you're gonna see wickedness in numbers, but Leviticus precedes numbers, and I love that. You know, why? What about your wickedness? What about your wretchedness? Just like we studied last week. In um, our Sunday study, when, when Paul, Paul of all people, when he writes, telling this young church, the things I will to do, those I don't do, and the things I don't will to do, those I do. Who can save me from this wretched flesh? Oh, wretched man I am. Who can save me? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, before we were sinners, died for you, died for me. Before we were sinners, we didn't have to clean up our lives. And then Jesus Christ says, okay, then I'll work with you. No, he says, believe in me, and boom, I'll work with you. You know, I stand at the door and knock, and if you hear me, I will come in and sup with you. Intimacy. Yes, Jesus Christ hangs out, you know, from uh, with the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the sinners. With you, with me. But our intimacy with Jesus Christ leaves us changed, not unchanged, changed when he tells the people, go and sin no more, go and sin no more, that's the beauty of death. And I'm not talking about death when we take our last breath. I'm talking about death when we die to sin and we're alive in Christ. When we carry our cross, our instrument of death, the means of our death. When you and me, when we reckon the old man dead, when we reckon the old woman dead, and we are crucified with Christ, it's all about death. Remember our study on Sunday in Romans 7? Our marriage to the law. Our marriage to the law. And what happens with our death? I'm not speaking about our physical death, our literal death. I'm speaking about spiritual. What happens with our death? We go down in the water. We're baptized in Christ. We come up out of the water. Our old nature is dead. It's buried. That's our gravesite of the old nature. The carnal man, the carnal woman. That's your gravesite. You come up out of the water and you know what? Boom, you're available. You're available. I like to think of, you know, if Jesus Christ were to say, do you believe in me? I like to think of that very heavenly, beautiful question. Do you believe in me? As, will you marry me? Will you marry me? Because, boom, you you go in the water. You're dead. And so this marriage unto the law, it's over. You know, you can't be married to a dead person. It's 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 legally impossible. But the same thing applies to our walk with Christ. Legally, the, our marriage to the law, it's over with my death, with your death to the law. And our belief in Jesus Christ. We go in the water, we come up out of the water, and boom. We say, yes, Lord, I will marry you. Male, female, I don't care. A lot of men, oh, I don't like thinking that way. Well, you better start getting comfortable thinking that way. Because, you know, we're at the last days. The 70th 70th week of Daniel. It can happen. I mean, it's going to happen. But when I say it, it, it can happen, I mean, like, soon. And once that happens... It's on. I mean, it's on now, but I mean, it's like. It's going to be like it's never been before. Our Lord even says that. It's going to be very difficult days, perilous times. And the church is asleep. The church is asleep. Not everybody. But at large. The church is sleeping. The church has become a social club. Oh, I can't see my friends anymore. Oh, I can't do my knitting. I can't meet with my knitting group anymore. You know what's so beautiful about the Word of God? He's portable. He's portable. He'll tabernacle with you. Just like He tabernacles with Israel. In the wilderness. Yes, some terrible things happen. Yes, they fall. Yes, they make mistakes. Yes, they pay the price for their sin. Yes, it costs the next generation. And I don't I don't want to gloss over that because it's terrible, it breaks my heart. But even still he makes a way. The same way he does with you. Just like Paul in Romans seven. The things you will to do, those you don't do. The things you don't you will not to do, those things you do. Who can save me from this wretched this wretched man? Jesus Christ. And that I say to you as well, to help you in your walk with Him. As you and me together, as we learn the fear of the Lord. And that's gained heavenly through studies in the Old Testament, studies in the law. How sin can become exceedingly sinful. How we can use the law lawfully to help us in our walk with the Lord. As we understand the character and and the nature of our Lord, more and more and more and deeper and deeper and deeper so let's go what happens here in verse 44 these are the ones who are were numbered whom Moses and Aaron numbered with the leaders of Israel 12 men each one representing his father's house so all who all who were numbered of the children of Israel by their father's houses from 20 years old and above all who were able to go to war in Israel All who were numbered were 603,550. Wow, that's a lot of people. What a mighty army. What a mighty group of people. People who are able to go to war. People who are um, in wait for warfare and battle and combat and ready But are they really ready? Are they ready? The answer is no. We're going to see their fall. And it's going to kill you like it kills me. It kills me. It breaks my heart. And it's going to break your heart too. And let's not shun. Let's not shy away from these things. Let us learn from these things. Let us learn for our own walks, for our own battles, for our own fights. When you and me have to go engage in hand-to-hand combat, spiritually speaking. That's the purpose of the church. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. To train. Learn how to be fishers. Learn how to be wise. The love of the Lord and the fear of the Lord. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. The koinonia. The ecclesia. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's kind of a weird phase that we're in now. You know. I, I teach in from the Western, Uni- or Western United States. And what happens. is like you know. We have these very liberal governors. Very very liberal governors. And. You see, the Antichrist spirit is alive and well. The spirit of Antichrist. Look at New York, what they're doing to the Jewish communities there. The Antichrist spirit is anti-Jew and anti-Christ. Anti-Jew and anti-Christian. That's the Antichrist spirit. The Antichrist, when we study in Revelation, you know, if you hearken back to our study in Revelation, is going to come against the Jews, and then against the Christians. This Antichrist spirit, you know, close the churches. You know, let's go to the synagogues. And then you have these uh, Orthodox Jews. They, they gather in accordance with the law. Like they're breaking the law if they don't. And I'm not advocating the law. I pray for them to come to the fulfillment of the law, which is to abide in Christ. And that day will come. I just pray that it happens sooner. To this, you know, spiritually speaking, to this stump. Because the branch is not greater than the root. And you see these governors making these terrible, terrible decisions. What's their influence? Why are all these, you know, these, you you can go to, crack is legalized. Heroin, legalized. You know the magic mushrooms, legalized. Dispensaries, go there, get your, get your fill. Oh, but I want to go to church, I want to go to church. Nope, you can't go. You can't go, you can't do this. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. We need to be awake and Ready. These people who are studying in Numbers, this first generation, they have the appearance that they were able to go to war. They might have been like, you know, had the shields, the swords, everything. But you know what? They don't know how to use them. They don't know how to fight. And that's the church in the last days. Fighters, warriors. No umbilical cords. No idols. The Antichrist spirit is alive and well and it's going to amp up. He's going to amp up the fight. You know why? Because he knows his time is short. That's why. That's why. You look at what's happening geopolitically around Israel. With Iran, Persia, Russia, Syria, Turkey, Cyprus. Look at the Pope praising artificial intelligence. All these things are written. China, the rise of China. The Euphrates is drying up. Qualified red heifers. Everything is amping up. And the church is asleep. The last day's church is either false, apostate, or refined. Those are the three camps in the last days. The church is either false, apostate, or refined. Find yourself a church that's being refined in these last days. And refinement comes through fire. That's what happens. And you're in a refined church, you know what the split is there? Fifty fifty. Five are wise, five are foolish. You see? It's a narrow road. Wide is the way that leads to death. Narrow is the way that leads to heaven. Zion. Our final destination. Paradise. You see? Where are the warriors? I used to ask, where are the men? Where are the men? Where are the men? But I get tired of saying that. Where are the men? Where are the men? Where are the men? I don't say that anymore. Because in Christ, there's no male or female. You know, Jew, Greek, slave, free, rich, poor. It's all one in Christ. All I want to know is, where are the warriors? Where are the fishers? Where are the wise? Where are the virgins? You see, spiritually speaking. If I say things like that, you know, virgin, and your mind goes off into crazy town, you need to repent. You need to repent because you have a dirty mind. You know, you need to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You meditate on things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and praiseworthy. That's what you meditate on. So when I say, oh yeah, we're virgins, and then your mind goes off into dirty town, repent. Repent. I say we're a last days church, and I don't just pull that out of my hat and say, oh yeah, we're a last days church. I don't say it for, you know, uh, to any other reason than to look at what's happening in the world. To understand the prophecies. To see what's happening culturally. You know, ethnos uh, ethnos against ethnos. Look what's happening culturally. And so I say we're last days generation, but it's not just for the sake of saying it. And this, this mighty army here in Numbers 1, they fell. They fell. How? Idolatry? lust, sexual immorality, and we're going to read more and more and it's going to break your heart. And let it be a strong warning, a strong admonition for you and for me, for us as the koinonia. Wow, Lord, I don't want to mess around with, you know, somebody says, "Hey, let's go to the let's go to the, the club, you know. Let's go to the strip club." No way. How come? Because I'm terrified of the Lord. I'm not going to do that. Hey, I got the finest meth from Chiapas, Mexico. Fresh shipment. Let's go. Let's go hit it. No way. That's that's I used to do that, but I'm dead to that. You see? May we be a people that learns the fear of the Lord. Not just today, but every day until we're home. So look what happens here in verse 47 in closing. But the Levites were not numbered among them by their father's tribe. For the Lord had spoken to Moses saying, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not number nor take a census of them among the children of Israel. But you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony over all its furnishings and over all the things that belong to it. over all its furnishings and over all things that belong to it, they shall carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings. They shall attend to it and camp around the tabernacle. So, in Leviticus, you see the duties of the priesthood, the duties of the Levites. And it's beautiful. Why? Because the whole purpose is for people to be right with the Lord, for sin to have atonement. Atonement for sin. For people to have peace with God. That's the priesthood. I say this as an urging, an admonition, an encouragement to pastors, to teachers, and to elders. And youth leaders. Anybody who teaches the word of God. You know, that's that's your duty. Not speaking of the law. But that's your duty to teach. To teach to care for the flock. To shepherd the flock. Not to you. Not to this world. But to Jesus Christ. Oh, but we're American citizens. We're American citizens. Okay, I get that. Carnally. Are we not citizens of Zion? Are we not citizens of paradise? Is that not our final destination? Are we not just passing through? Oh, but we're American citizens. I have my rights. I have my rights. I have my rights. I know you have your rights. What about denying rights for the sake of Jesus Christ? As he did for us. As he did for you. As Paul did. As Peter did. As Stephen did. The early church all those families who were taken away from their homes, women raped, daughters raped, thrown in for sport, eaten by lions. You see? Perilous times are coming. Count the cost. Count the cost, my friend. Oh, but we're going to fight. We're going to have the Civil War, Civil War, Civil War. And you know what? I don't think Civil War is... is, uh, It's very possible. Very possible. Incredibly possible. What's the role of the Christian? What's the job of the Christian? Do we cease being fishers? Do we cease being messengers on the good news? It's going to be very dangerous to be a Christian in the last days. Very dangerous. In some places of the world, it's incredibly dangerous. I read newsletters from the persecuted church. Such terrible atrocities. Terrible. Terrible. And I pray for my sisters in Christ because unbelievable atrocities are committed against my sisters. Oh, but God will protect us. God will protect us. Why would God allow us to suffer? He won't say He's not going to allow us to suffer. Do you not have eyes? Do you not see the suffering that's happening to our brothers and sisters? If you're a teacher, if you're a pastor, if you're an elder, remember it's parents that sacrifice for their children, and I'm speaking about children in the faith. And you teach. You teach like it's nobody's business. You teach like crazy till you're blue in the face. You teach and 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 you equip and, and you equip and you equip, you, equip and you pray like crazy. For the flock that the Lord has given you. His flock. Not yours. You need a temporary stewardship. And you lead the people. You lead the people. We're going to Zion. I don't care. You're Swahili, you're, you know, uh, wherever Chinese, Korean, you know, Saudi Arabian, European, uh, Texan. I don't know why. I (laughs) I don't care. I could care less. You're from New York. You're American, you're Mexican, you're Canadian. I could care less. You believe in Jesus Christ? You know, jump on board. We're going to Zion. And praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord that He teaches us these things. And that's my prayer in our study in Numbers, that we learn the fear of the Lord, the example that is written for our admonition. Let's continue what happens here in verse 51. And when the tabernacle is to go forward, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levites shall set it up. The outsider who comes near shall be put to death. You read that, you're like, whoa, that's heavy. That's heavy. The outsider, the foreigner, the stranger, the profane, the adulteress. Remember what the Lord did with Aaron's two sons? The strange fire that they presented to the Lord, and the Lord consumed them with fire. And the Lord is saying, the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. Now, as new covenant believers, we know that, you know, in in the Old Testament, the tabernacle is a noun. It's a place. But as new covenant believers, the the tabernacle is a verb because Jesus Christ, he tabernacles with us, with you, with me, all who believe. He said, does that mean I can't tabernacle with Jesus Christ? No, absolutely. You can tabernacle with Jesus Christ, but death still has to happen. Death still has to happen. Or death and you're the one who puts yourself to death reckon the old man did reckon the old woman did carry across your instrument of death and you can be crucified with Christ people always proclaim that I'm crucified with Christ I'm crucified with Christ," and I scratch my head you know I don't really see death brother I don't really see death, sister. You know, I saw your social media. You were drunk last night. I saw you out clubbing last night. I don't really see death, my friend. I see a marriage to the law. Hearkening to our study in Romans 7. But I do not see a marriage to Jesus Christ. Which means what? The old nature is still alive. The old man, the old woman is still alive. And new wine cannot be pour, can be poured into old wineskin, but it cannot hold new. Old wineskin cannot hold new wine because it forms holes and it pours out. And that's what you see in the church today. People who are Christians for one year, two years, three years, and then they poop out. Why? Because their old wineskins have holes in them. Oh, but this is a thick wineskin. He's gone five years. He's gone ten years. She's gone... 12 years but if they're old wine skin eventually in the course of time holes will appear and new wine will pour out because new old wine skins cannot contain or hold new wine The only way new wine can be held contained preserved and held to the very end only is with new wine skin. If I've described you and your own battles with the flesh, habitual sin, get new wineskin, my friend. And in order to get new wineskin, you have to die. Spiritually, I'm not saying, you know, jump off a bridge. No way. You know, remember the uh, Philippine jailer who's going to kill himself and Paul says, no, don't do that. See that you don't do that because the Lord has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your life. He wants to use you. He desires to use you. He's long-suffering for you. You think it, you know, you think it doesn't break the Lord's heart? When people, you know, they're on crack, people who are in the faith and then they fall away, you think it doesn't break the Lord's heart? What are those about who, who don't even know the Lord? He is still long suffering for them. His creation. He formed them in their mother's womb. And they were born in the law. They were born into Adam, married to the law. And where are the messengers? Where are the fishermen? Where are the fisherwomen? Where are the warriors who have good news? The wise. You see? I don't say these things to hurt your feelings. Sometimes, you know, it's it's very abrasive, my approach and how I teach. Sometimes it's abrasive. I completely understand that. And, you know, I try not to be. But I teach the Bible how I read the Bible. Sometimes I read the Bible, I get to a little passage, and then I start thinking and I start praying. It's like, wow, Lord. And that's what I do when we study the Bible. I teach how I read. I encourage how I apply the Bible to myself. And the Lord healed me. The Lord fixed me. Yes, it was through, you know, he messed me up too. He wrecked shop on me big time. And I don't want him to do that to you. I don't want you to see the, you know, The rod, like I had the rod. I don't want that on you. So I tell you from experience, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Because I did that. And the Lord messed me up. And I also tell you it because I love you. I want us all to be in Zion. Paradise. And so look what happens here in closing in verse 52. The children of Israel shall pitch their tents, everyone by his own camp, everyone by his own standard. It's like a banner or a flag, according to their armies. But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the children of Israel. And the Levites shall keep charge of the tabernacle of testimony. Translate says to be on guard, to be protect and to be on watch as a sentry or to stand your post. That's how it translates. And what a hardcore message it is for pastors and teachers and elders, youth leaders, teachers of the Bible. Be on guard. Stand your post. Because, you know, if you harken back to our study in Acts 20, wolves, wolves can come in. You have to fight the wolf, not fight the wolf. You have to kill the wolf. Spiritually speaking. Wolves come in all shapes and sizes, and you have to kill them, metaphysically speaking. And you have to be equipped. You see? It's straight-up combat. It's warfare. spiritual. The battle for souls. And so, in closing... Thus the children of Israel did, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so they did. Now we read this. If we didn't have this backdrop of the things that we studied in 1 Corinthians, Numbers 32, if we didn't have this backdrop, that the Lord was, his his anger was aroused against Israel, if we didn't have that backdrop, you know how beautiful this would be, Numbers 1? And it is beautiful. Even though we have the backdrop, it is still beautiful. But then it's also kind of a sour note, too, because it's like, oh, my goodness, Israel, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Do you remember in our study in Leviticus, how I was always make mention and I did it like, you know, periodically. How I would always say we would study a passage in the law and I would say, you know, moving forward, you're going to understand why God does what he does. You're going to understand fully and completely why the Lord does what He does. And we're going to see that come to life in our study in Numbers. You're going to understand completely why He does what He does. It's reactionary. Because certain people made their choice. And you know, the Lord makes a way. Even in the law, He has a means for atonement, for people to have peace with the Lord. And when that's not done, whoa, that's not good. And I say, whoa, it's w o e. That's not good. And I say that as a message to you, as New Covenant believers, to you and me. The Lord makes a way. You know, the beauty of repentance. That's the beauty of repentance. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I, I did an altar call when I was 10 years old. I don't need to do it anymore. Look at the church in in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, and how many times does the Lord say, You know what? I like this about you. I love this about you. But this I have against you. You see, and if you don't repent, I will take your name out of the book of life. That's scary. That terrifies me. You have left your first love. That terrifies me. And I pray it does the same for you. Why? Because we can learn the fear of the Lord. Brake pedal and gas pedal. Love of the Lord and the fear of the Lord. The two work together. And onward design we go. We're going to end our study here and, you know, next week pick up in chapter 2, Lord willing. God bless you guys. Love you guys.